Hello, everybody. Welcome inside episode 1058 of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson. You can find us on social media at Tall Can Audio. Go ahead, hit follow or subscribe there in your podcast app. Really good show for you today. Our buddy Andrew Stoughton is here. Andrew, of course, runs the batflip.ca and uh, hosts the Blue Jays Happy Hour podcast. While you're while you're subscribing to podcasts, you should check that one out as well. One of my favorite baseball podcasts, one that I uh, never miss an episode of. So go ahead and check that out. He does it with his co-host, Nick Ashburn. Just before we get to Andrew, want to remind you uh, some cool guests coming up here in the next couple of weeks. On Thursday morning, Vanessa Sanchez from She's Got Game on TSN 1200 who's of course been here a few times before as well. Uh, She will return to the studio, so look for that on Thursday morning. Uh, We mentioned to you on the last show that Rob is away the next two weekends, so his appearances will move to the middle of the week. But uh, we have some replacements lined up for you that are going to be great on the on the Monday morning show. This coming week, that'll be Graham Nichols, The Sixth Sends. Uh, he's, of course, been on several times before, but never in studio. So he'll come in and co-host your Monday morning show next week. Uh, also look for Josh O'Connor from uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks multimedia team. They have a new series up and going called Behind the R. Uh, it is a hard knocks or, you know, 24-7 kind of look behind the scenes uh, with the Ottawa Red Blacks. We're hoping to get him in here to talk about that. And the following Monday morning, Graham Creech. And Steve Bunda from TSN 1200 and Bell Media, they will be in here to uh, to co-host again that uh, that Monday morning show. Uh, Bunda's been in a bunch of times lately. We've lost track of Creech just a little, but he's coming in. We have had them both in studio together a few times. It's always a fun vibe, so uh, look for that on, uh, on the following Monday there. So lots of great stuff coming up, but uh, that's all down the road. Today we're talking baseball, even in January, so let's bring him in now. Andrew Stoughton from the batflip.ca and the Blue Jays Happy Hour podcast. Thanks for making the time, man. How you doing? Oh, absolutely. Anytime, man. I'm doing great. Uh, good to talk to you. Uh, as we were just talking about a little bit before we fired up the recording there, it's, it's been a little quiet here as maybe should be expected during January. Um, and I think at this point, what are we only three weeks away maybe from pitchers and catchers reporting? So, uh, we should start seeing a little bit more, uh, a little more action at that point, but why don't we start with, uh, some of the news that broke late last week? I don't, soft news, I guess we'll call it, but, uh, a bunch of the reporters got in to see some of the renovations and, uh, what the dome is going to look like. What was your, uh. What was your takeaway? What did you see? Uh, I mean, you know, everything looked like as expected. Uh, I think the big talking point that's come out of it, especially since uh, TSN Scott Mitchell got some of the uh, the dimensions, uh, is the fences. The fence line is, looks really interesting. Um, and, you know, Mark Spiro had been saying, you know, in all of his interviews, you know, or however few there have been, uh, that, you know, the park's going to, they, they really worked at making sure the park is going to continue to play neutral, which it does, and which I think, you know, there's been a myth for a while about uh, about it being a little homer homer friendly or hitter friendly, uh, which I think he correctly assesses was because just a lot of good hitters come through and a lot of good hitters have been playing for the Jays. So when you look back at you know, X number of years of data and it's and it's 2016-17, it's like oh yeah, this this park plays well for hitters. It's like well no, they just they just had. They just had some, some best pretty good hitters. Yeah, yeah um, which there should be a better way to sort of uh, uh, eliminate that noise from signal. But anyway, um, it, it's hard to it's hard to see how it's going to play neutral, knowing that also next year uh, they're going to uh, pull out a lot of the foul territory. That's something that he specifically said. You know that they have some of the most foul ground in the game. So you would have kind of expected that being the case. Uh, 
you know, the, the it to play a little pitcher friendly for a year, and then that get balanced out by that. But it looks like you know uh, the fences are in a little bit, mm-hmm. which uh, you know you can adjust for that. You know, I think the the heights will obviously make a difference. Um, but it's interesting, and it's just interesting to look at the fence line and how that's going to affect balls in play, and uh, and how that I think. Uh, probably deliberately affected the Blue Jays' plans this offseason with getting guys who, you know, aren't just going to be befuddled by the way the, the ball caroms off the wall and, and, and slow to react. Well, and that's, uh, this is probably just a case of, of somebody like me never being happy, but I, I, for years I've, like a lot of fans, felt like the Dome, uh, it's a little homogenous, right? And it is fairly cookie cutter if you want to use that term. And I kind of look at what they're doing now with some of the crazy things that are jutting out and some of the weird caroms you're going to see and I don't know, man. Some of it to me just now looks a little bit like crazy for the sake of crazy. Like, does that make sense? The way some of this stuff is, yeah. is coming out onto them. You're sort of like, all right, I guess, but that you've sort of created a problem. You didn't have to just for the sake of it not being homogenous anymore. <laughs> I mean, if that's, if it's a problem, I mean, I, I, I suspect it's going to, you know, it, I, I suspect it'll be more subtle than, than it looks when everybody's staring at the fence right now. I mean, it is, it is odd to see it sort of, uh, you know, be concave instead of convex entirely, which is, you know, that is that is definitely unique. And that's something, you know, anytime people have asked about, you know, doing the, making these changes, making it a little less uh, cookie cutter, uh, I'm always like, yeah, you just, you don't want to do a Tal's Hill, right? You don't want to, uh, that, that stupid hill they had in, in Houston, which, you know, it was a little better when they didn't have the flag there. And I kind of liked the nod to, uh, you know, playing played on uh, irregular fields as a kid, like everybody grew up. Oh, yeah, okay, the yeah. ball goes up there. It's like, See, to me, that yeah, was that, always that, the charming that, thing about baseball. Was sometimes this was just the slice of property we had, and we built a park. And I get this now. It, it kind of feels like we're intentionally making this weird. And you're like, all right, yeah, a, a little bit, a little bit. But uh, you know, I, I like I say, I think, I, I think. Uh, I'll 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 reserve judgment until sure. I see it. I think it could I think it could play really really nicely. It'd be interesting, and I think the raising of the bullpens, and the bringing of the seats right up to the fence line is going to be really good. Um, so I, I think in general that'll be that'll be fine. But the, uh, yeah, I, I do expect people like the first time a, a ball takes a weird hop off that fence or George Springer runs into it uh, because it happens to be jutting out slightly. I, I, but I, like I said, I think it's it, it will be more subtle than. Then it appears uh, somewhat. That is one of the um, things. But yeah, you're, I, do, I do think you're absolutely right that it does it does tend towards uh, odd for the sake of being odd. Yeah, and one of the things they did draw everyone's attention to and want us to to note when uh, you know last week when they were showing this off was that yes, a couple of the areas look like they'll be a little bit shorter, but the wall is going to be taller. We won't be just. I think they actually used the phrase. It won't be a Yankee Stadium right field. Um, you know, do you have any expectations based on what you've read and what you've seen on how this might play for some of the guys in the Blue Jays lineup? Do you expect it to be a little more power friendly? I know you sort of said, you know, they're 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 pushing towards neutral, but you know, what kind of repercussions or changes might we see? Do you think? Um, yeah, I, I think like yeah, uh, as far as they they're saying it's going to be they're they're going to make it neutral, uh, and that they worked on that. Uh, I saw someone I think make a good observation that it may. You know, play better for for fly ball uh, power hitters as opposed to line drive ones, which is interesting given you know the the, the one guy that they have. Though I think you know, <laughs> Vlad won't have any trouble uh, hitting the ball out of that ballpark. Um, 
but yeah, like a, a Dalton Varsha is a, a fly ball kind of guy, would you know, and and that uh, that is is kind of a tempting thing. But again, like you say, you know, bringing up Yankee Stadium, it's like that's a team that is definitely tailored to mm-hmm. uh, to to exploit the the size of that park, which is another one where I mean they obviously kept the historic dimensions, and it's, it's not the same as as like Fenway, where like they literally the parcel of land you know dictated what they could do in terms of where the fence was and that's sort of why that's why that's you know as charming as it as it is sort of aesthetically and when you're not there with you know full of red sox fans um but yeah i, I don't know I, I i haven't thought too hard about it i think that because I, I even though you know it's more it's more the aesthetics really that i'm that i'm interested in sure. at this point because i do expect that they'll that it will play uh fairly neutral and uh I don't know. It'll be a fun challenge if it doesn't, or, or to, just to, to work out what the you know what the new park effects will be, and uh, uh, and that's something I think it'll be you know it's that's I think again partly what may have driven what the they did defensively in the outfield this winter, um, and and is something that they can take you know advantage of, especially in like the early years of this new fence line, uh, because they'll just have so much more experience with it, and it'll it'll take other teams a little bit of time to catch up because it's uh, it's definitely going to be different. Well, why don't we talk a little about what they did do in the outfield over this uh, over the offseason because it's been very interesting. And I know you covered this in your most recent piece at the Bat Flip, uh, a Q&A that you did with, uh, with subscribers. But I'm going to ask you about whether or not look, there, there are contractual reasons why it was time for Guriel and T. Oscar to go and it made them easy to trade. Um, there were, you know, performance reasons to do it. But I do wonder if you think breaking up the barrio was a factor at all or is that just a side effect based on where you needed to improve i we we've seen that be a very divisive thing in the fan base in terms of the home mm-hmm. run jacket and these sorts of things do you think that was something that management was keen to kind of change the vibes around or you know just no those were just the guys who were performing poorly so uh, defensively so they had to go uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, you could only speculate, really. I, I, I have no, I have no insight into whether they thought that was a thing. I'm sure, you know, like you say, it's been, it's a bit polarizing in the fan base, and there's definitely people who hated the home run jacket or hated the home run jacket when it's like, oh, you're on a losing streak and you're still dancing around in the jacket thing, which, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, people like to suck the fun out of out of anything, and and really, 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 like that's not that's not how I would like to approach things, and I don't, you know, I would, I would encourage, I would be, I would be encouraged by a team that. Uh, that didn't want to do that, that, you know, just be the, the, the real hard, serious, like, you know, down to business kind of thing. I would rather watch something that's fun and, and, and entertaining. Um, but I know that that drives people nuts a little bit. Uh, and, 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 and as I said in other pieces, I don't know if I did in this, the most recent particular one, but like, you know, the guys in the clubhouse are, are human too. And so I'm sure there would have been some polarization in, in that sense, uh, in the room as well. And I, like, I don't know what would have, you know, I, I don't know if there's guys just seething about the home run jacket or about, about that whole aspect of everything, but we definitely heard that, you know, there was some factionalism in the, in the, the, the clubhouse, you know, uh, especially at the end of Charlie Montoya's tenure and that sort of contributed to uh to what happened there we've heard the jays rob longley of the sun wrote about you know how often they've mentioned the word accountability this winter uh which definitely you know ties back into some of the some of the stuff that that sort of uh undid montoyo in terms of uh 
you know, just, just uh, the, the, you know, there was a side from what we've read that felt that you know leadership was not you know forthcoming enough from the top. Uh, which doesn't necessarily fold into that accountability stuff. But, you know, I think of things like, you know, and you know, we saw John Schneider sort of pull players aside a little bit more after he uh, took over the the reins uh, from Montoya. We saw, you know, there was that, that sunglasses game uh, oh. earlier in the, the season last year, you know, and that, that, you know, that's, that's one incident, but it's just like, that is something that like, how, how on earth is this, is this happening? How did that happen? And, um, and that's so, so, you know, and I don't want to draw the like, like draw the connection to the Bombay guys and to, and to that stuff, but you know, uh, but there, there was a looseness that was permitted and and encouraged for a long time by the Jays that maybe you know they have sort of t- turned back on and, and uh, looked to go another way. But like I say, we can only speculate about what they think about that, and we can absolutely see, you know, concretely, you know. There being a year left on Teoscar's deal, there being a year left uh, on Gurriel's deal, or you know, as they say, the the, the Arizona insisted on him being in the deal. I'm sort of skeptical of that, but uh, <laughs> but but you know, the, those reasons, the fact that you know you don't want to lose him for nothing, and then you have an opportunity to really remake the the composition of the team, uh, you could do a lot of things, and and it just I, I think that plus the fact that those guys were liabilities in the field, uh, even though you know you really like their bats. Um, I think, you know, I think the proof is in what they've done. I think, I mean, I think that they've, you know, they've clearly they've, they've, they've gone another way. What, what all of the reasoning behind it is, you know, is, is open to debate, but, uh, uh, it's not exactly conspicuous. It's, uh, yeah, no, uh, or really it is conspicuous, whichever, whichever you you can see that there's the changes, you know, that, that's definitely a thing that has happened. Yeah. Uh, The the personality will be different for sure. Broken up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is is left to do, or that they're likely to do? They're you know they've they've kind of got a already a pretty solid rotation, but it does involve either uh, Mitch White or Kikuchi in that five spot. I'm not sure whether they're willing to do that or not. Whether they might be looking for another kind of back of the rotation starter. Um, you know, do you think they're ready to go with one of their internal options as a fourth outfielder? Is that maybe a place they might still be looking? What do you expect to see before spring training? Yeah, I do expect there. You know, there's going to be some sort of movement at the fringes of the roster. I would, I would say, I would guess. Uh, you know, the bullpen's pretty rigid. Like the bullpen, uh, you know, there, there's there's definitely some really interesting interesting guys on the forty man already, like Hayden Younger and, and uh, you know, Nate Pearson. Always a, a factor. Yasmer Zulawat. I could, you know, they still think that he can start, uh, and or maybe you're going to push him to that side, and maybe that's that's part of the answer to the, the bit about the fifth starter. Uh, but he also is somebody who people really believe could be an, uh, an option in the bullpen, and and it's going to be tough to get guys like that into the into the bullpen especially the way that you know the teams these days seem to like to uh uh rotate guys around and it's like you know somebody has to has to throw five innings is unavailable for a week that's like okay it's nice to have the ability to option someone down and bring somebody up and Mm -hmm. there's just not that flexibility really right now because they have uh, trevor richards there because they have you know guys like simber and and now eric swanson who are tim Mesa who are are optionable but not really those guys that you would want to option no uh you know, uh, whoever, whichever of Kikuchi or White ends up in the bullpen, uh, also out of options, can't move those guys. So, th- so uh, something that would allow them to to you know get a little bit more flexibility to you know option guys down and sort of cycle them through Buffalo, even though that's a little bit more discouraged than it used to be, uh, with limitations on how often guys can go up and down. I think that that potentially points to there being a, a, 
moves in the bullpen at some point before, you know, rosters are finalized for opening day. But then again, they're not in a, a place where they want to uh, be shedding uh, relief help. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they obviously can use all the help that they can get there and would probably like to you know, see what Trevor Richards looks like this spring before they move off them or something like that. Right. So I think that that's maybe an area that they could do. I think, again, like I said, with the, the fifth starter, Kikuchi or White, pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty unimpressive last year, uh, to put it mildly. Um, and that's interesting too. You know, they, they, they added Zach Thompson, who's like DFA by the Pirates. So you can't really, you know, I know the, I know the Pirates have kind of gained a reputation for, uh, letting go of pitchers who then turn out to be really good. But I also uh, like a Pirates fan I follow on Twitter was like, that's the guy where you're like, Oh God, he's starting and you turn off. The <laughs> oh God. Um, and then, you know, Drew Hutchison is, you know, is going to be depth at, Buff- at Buffalo. Uh, Zulouette is in that conversation, you know, eventually maybe Ricky Tiedemann, but that's, you know, in terms of like managing his innings, that'll be difficult to see him as a starter. There are some guys, there's definitely more guys that are, I think in that pool of, you know, sixth to 10th starter that you could feel better about right now than maybe last year or previous years. Uh, so I kind of, I think they could get away with not doing anything there. Uh, but I would be very surprised if that wasn't on their radar in some form. I mean, maybe even a Kikuchi trade is still, is still, wow. you know, a, a, a possibility. I, you know, I don't know. I'm just, that's pure speculation, but like, yeah. I don't know. Teams need arms and, and it's just, you know, if, if you can't trust him, for that, he would just be a better fit on another team who can just kind of give him, you know, uh, the, give him the ball every fifth day and see what happens and maybe you know, recoup some trade value. Or take maybe Zach like Thompson's that. spot in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you know, something like that, and just to and just get a little money off the books, maybe makes some sense for them. Um, but but also, you know, you you saw you saw a lot of the talent too. You saw the reasons at times why. You know, the Jays went after him last year. So that's, you know, that's still an unsettled yep. question. And I think as teams sort of start to finalize their rosters and guys, you know, slip into, into waivers and, and harder decisions have to be made, I think that uh, that we could see some movement there. I'm not saying we could really see Kikuchi traded, but I think they might be stuck <laughs> there until they have to cut bait. But, um, but that's it. And then also, like, the, the I think a lot of people have identified correctly that uh, it would be good to have another right-handed hitting uh, guy who could maybe play outfield, but who's kind of more of a, a, a pinch hitter slash... Uh, platoon guy with Brandon Belt, who you know, and I think Robbie Grossman is a name that comes up a lot. But that's uh, that's such a limited role that it's hard to like entice somebody who may have like the opportunity to really actually play a lot of games yeah. uh, to come in to take a role like that. But just with with the way that you know the the limitations on pitching staff, you know, you can only you can only carry eight pitchers or whatever whatever the hell it is, eight man bullpen, uh, you know, thirteen and thirteen and thirteen. Uh, uh, it, it really does, you know, give you more opportunity on your bench uh, than we've seen in years before that those rules came into place, which they kind of didn't until the middle of last year. Um, so it's, you know, there's just there's more room for uh, for bench guys, pinch hitter guys, you know, and I think that, that that's a role that they probably should be looking to fill, even though I think they also have some intriguing. Uh, internal options, though now it's kind of tilted to the left side, uh, you know, in terms of hitting as opposed to the right. You know, they've got uh, Addison Barger and Spencer Horvitz, guys like that, who might be able to come up uh, are already on the forty man and could help. But now they're hitting from the left side, and so there's, they probably could could do better uh, in terms of balancing uh, with a right-handed hitter. And I think that's why people really looked at Grossman as a guy who could uh, who would make a lot of sense here. Uh, should he want to take the small amount of money and small amount of playing time that they would uh, be able to offer? Yeah, there's I mean, like two of your three outfielders are, you know, 
fairly injury prone at this point, or at least concerned. You know, there would be concern in that area. I, I don't know. It, it seems to me you'd want someone on the bench that you wouldn't mind. Yeah, I mean, I know Biggio could go out there and play or, or whatever, but like, yeah, I think I think I think Maryfield is is, is that enough, guy, yeah. maybe you know, because they really do have you know, they really have three guys for second base at this point with Biggio and, and Espinal and Maryfield. Yeah. Um, so so uh, you know, there will be innings to be had out there. That's <laughs> I think that's that. Yeah, that's that's a given for sure. Yeah. But but Maryfield, like, I mean, Maryfield can spell in center field if he really needs to. Like he's not, he's not, you know. Uh, setting the world on fire out there, but he's not going to kill you at center either. So well, and far he wouldn't far want to do it for... move over there too, right? Obviously. So absolutely. Yeah. He could do center. And, and, and so there, they do have some options. So that's why, and I think I wrote this in the last, uh, the mailbag piece, but like that, that doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, the bar doesn't have to be super high. I think for this Grossman type, uh, piece that they may still be looking for in terms of like being able to, to go out and play in the outfield. Cause like, well, they will have Varsha, They will have Maryfield already. Uh, pretty durable guys. You know, you can't count on anybody, but, but you're, but you're definitely kind of looking at Kiermaier and Springer and being like, okay, we may have some innings to cover there. Yeah, no uh, doubt. But I think they're, they're not in a, in, in as bad a shape as it seems when you remember, all oh, right, they have, you know, three utility guys, you know, for one position, second base, basically in their, in their, uh, optimal uh, configuration. Uh, let's, let's talk about everybody's favorite topic. Let's talk about Bo for a minute, because, uh, (laughs) obviously they, uh, were going through the arbitration process again. They got everybody but Bo, uh, that they wanted to get taken care of. And, um, look, he's just comes off as one of those guys that I know what I'm worth and I'm prepared to go through the process to, to get that done. But it, it, it seems to rub some fans the wrong way, maybe because they're able to look at Vladdy and go, well, Vladdy signed. And sometimes, you know, guys just have different personalities, different approaches to it. But there's almost becoming this, I don't want to oversell it or overblow it, but like a reputation or not, like where fans are getting a little, starting to bristle against Bo a little bit as opposed to Vladdy. You know what it reminds me of? And it's always great to turn your baseball conversation into a hockey conversation but like <laughs> it's Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner right and and everybody loves Matthews and Marner for some reason has this slightly more standoffish reputation and like all last year it was oh we have to play Matthews and Marner together because that's where they want to be and no one ever actually asked Mitch whether that's what he felt or what he wanted that was just the the label we put on him and this year they asked him to go play with Tavares and it's been fine. He hasn't said a word. So I do, it's not a perfect comparison, but you know, we're looking at Bo and he came up with Vladdy at times. He's been every bit as good or better than Vladdy, at least offensively. Um, but maybe we don't love his position and, and we've decided that he would never consider moving to second base, despite the fact that he's never been forced to like, I, I just kind of wonder about this feeling that it seems like Bo's reputation or relationship with the fans is a little nicked up for some reason. Yeah, I think that, I think that's true. I, I think you know, he, uh, especially if he had he not finished as strong uh, as he did, I think a lot of those uh, those concerns would be bigger. Uh, he obviously sort of pulled the season out of the 
out of the trash. Maybe it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't it wasn't a great year until you know late August and yeah, September. Certainly not a boat. Uh, when he really went on fire. I mean, yeah, you look at you know, you look at the overall numbers and you're like, oh, he had another great year. I think he's more more than Vladdy. And then mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think a top I think a top twenty guy in baseball, which people tend to forget. Though a lot of that is the positional adjustment, which, you know, being able to play somewhat competently at such an important position does, you know, does gain you extra points on your war. Sure. Uh, and I think a lot of people would say, well, yeah, but, <laughs> but he probably shouldn't be playing in that position. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of in that camp at this point, but it's yeah. somewhat really competently it, 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 isn't the bar we should be looking to clear. <laughs> yeah. And it's tough to do. It's, and there's the, there is an element of politics to that. And, you know, you know, he's such an important guy for the franchise. You know, you can't, you're getting five wins for a guy who, you know, they're arguing between, you know, like what he, like he at most will make 7.5 million. Like, like that's that's a, that's a really really hugely important guy to how you build your team. And, mm-hmm. uh, they want to keep you know un, the Blue Jays side of it is pretty understandable. They want to keep that stuff you know the the arbitration numbers as low as possible. Uh, I think maybe and like just to be specifically about the arbitration stuff. I think you know um, the difference between him and Vladdy is uh, Shadavidi wrote about you know the 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 comparables for blow for Poe, which are. Uh, which are, are are hard to sort of gauge, like where he falls on that spectrum of like of like what an arbitrator might see as the appropriate compensation for him. Like that, I think that is there's more of a question as to like who his best comparables are and what they you know what they should you know what that dictates he should make. I think for Vlad it's probably more black and white in terms of like okay, first baseman these kind of numbers. Runner-up MVP, you know, all that down the line. I think it's probably a simpler question, which is maybe why that's easier. And I think also it's important to remember, even though it's not like it's not like Bo's looking at this and trying to figure like they have, they have their agents have people sure, who, are, yeah. who are like you know here's my advice to you. We think that you can get you know. Uh, obviously, ultimately, the player has a say, and Bo perhaps in his competitive nature is a little more inclined to uh, not meet in the middle uh, for whatever reason. Completely understandable. Uh, Especially if you know, I mean, he's still getting a bunch of money. He does yeah. probably want to stick it to them a little bit uh, after you know he said he disagreed with the pay scale that the Jays uh, had, had devised for their uh, pre-arb guys last year. Him and Alec Manoa did that. The Manoa doesn't really get any any pushback. Uh, I don't no. think on that. But uh, uh, I, I think a lot of it also probably, though, probably comes down to just like the style of player that he is, like the. You know the errors are glaring, and people don't like that. Uh, people, you know, get in their own heads about what that means, and they really, you know, start to extrapolate things about whether players care or whether, you know, but just they try to get in players' heads in a weird way when, when, you know, they see those negative things. And I think that it also at the plate, they, they you know, it's like they just you, the. Pitching is very, very difficult to hit, and it always drives me nuts when people are like, "Oh, what are you swinging at there?" I was like, "Well, that's a that's a ninety mile an hour slider. Like, it's really hard to think, like, <laughs> like, like you before you could even think about what whether to swing or not, you'd be you'd have seen three more pitches. Like, it, it's it, like that stuff kind of drives me nuts. But Bo, in particular, is aggressive, especially early in the counts. And I think that that sort of bleeds into like what people's sense of his personality and of, of uh, and just the way that they conceive of him is like not that he necessarily doesn't care, but that he's, you know, he he's too aggressive. He's too it, it just it just sort of I think reflects poorly more so than if he were uh, a little more measured in like not swinging at pitchers that are uh, that are out of the zone and that he can't square up and not really being as you know, as aggressive as a, as a hitter, because you do also see, 
uh, a lot of you know bad swings, and he you know he gets his, he's so talented he can get his bat on the ball. Yeah. And, and for a lot of the, the the first half and the first you know two thirds of the season, you know he could he could get he can get to pitches, but you know it's not necessarily creating the best contact, and that can be an issue for him as well. Uh, well, we saw that narrative for so long, right? Like maybe one of the best yeah. two strike hitters in the league. I'm like, yeah, but stop being automatically at zero and two. Yeah, which I think is, is you know, not I mean, probably not as fair to him as it, well. One, I don't know, you know, he did have a really nice run with, as a two strike hitter, yep. like in his like, first call up. But I think the numbers, uh, he, you know. Buck, God love Buck, but you know, they're still talking about him as though like, oh, now now he's got him where he wants him, kind of stuff. Right. Where it's like, no, 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 no. It's, it's 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 much better for him to not get into those counts. But also, a lot of hitters can be successful getting into zero and two counts. And I, I looked at that in the in that mailbag piece. Like a lot of really great hitters are up there with him in terms of like how many plate appearances they've been down 0-2. Uh, it's just that's just part of the nature of what they do, and I think it doesn't translate as well. You know, visually as you're watching the game to, you know, to like, oh, this is the guy I want to cheer for sometimes unless he's really on that tear. And I don't know if that, you know, that plus the defense plus maybe the sense that he's, you know, behind the stubbornness in terms of keeping him at shortstop as opposed to moving him, uh, which we don't know, which he could be, which, you know, the JSC, which I find fascinating is, you know, they brought in Marcus Simeon. They've definitely been rumored about, uh, you know, a, a, a number of, of like big ticket shortstops because those tend to be, you know, the uh, the the highest kind of hate players in the game. You play a premium position, obviously, and you're a great hitter. Like so, you know, just I, maybe that's the nature of of you know exploring the free agent market. But like the the fact that uh, Scott Boris said that they were one of those teams that were happy in on uh, on Xander Bogarts' right. switcher is uh, is pretty interesting. And, and I think that you know a lot of uh, I don't know. A lot of Jays fans could probably see, like, all right, if you're gonna, if, if you're like, oh, you don't have to. Uh, it doesn't have to be. Oh, you gotta extend Vlad and Bo. It's like, well, what if you extend Vlad and sign a guy like Bogarts, and then you know, Bo goes to second base, and then maybe like Teoscar, with the year left, he gets up somewhere else, and you kind of fill in your gaps that way. Um, that's not sort of how everybody drew it up, but you know, maybe that's you know, that clearly I would say, assuming that the that, that Boris isn't being self-interested, which is something I think I noted as well, because you know, he obviously we've seen you know in recent years, you know, he the, the Jays don't really comment, and not that a lot of teams do, but uh, it's good for his business to to have there be a perceived uh, as big a market as possible, right? So sure. the fact that the Jays are spending, so we, you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt whether or not that's actually true that the Jays were that heavy on Bogarts, but you know, that's a way, that's a way that they could do it. And I think it was a way that, that yeah, probably a lot of fans would be satisfied if they ultimately did that. And maybe that's something that um, we'll see down the line. It's it, they don't have to be locked into Vlad and Bo. Um, and like, I'm not agreeing with the fans are, are down on him. I think he's an incredible talent and obviously, you know, people should be thrilled that he's here, but uh, you know, just playing devil's advocates. I, I could also see why people are like, this is a frustrating experience yeah. watching a guy who is that aggressive with bad pitches and is uh, that prone to, uh, to making misplays uh, defensively at such an important position. So I, I want to stay measured here if I can, but uh, like worried would be the wrong term, but is there any reason for Like you referenced there when you were talking that, you know, maybe because he doesn't like the way the Blue Jays pay structure dictated it wanted to pay him, he was willing to try and stick it to them a little bit in free agency. Maybe we are on the cusp of a certain percentage of the fan base souring on him. Like, do you think there's a 
any reason for concern here that this could be headed in a bad direction, or is that just me projecting onto him? You know that that what I'm seeing from too far away. Do you, like maybe in the long term he won't be here? Yeah, I mean maybe he won't, but I don't think it's because they went to they took him to arbitration and didn't just give him what he wants. Like, yeah. I, I didn't, like that stuff. I think that that's sort of the projection stuff, and people like people get really hung up on like. Oh, you can, oh, he's gonna he's gonna not take the the highest dollar if the Blue Jays end up being the team that offering him the most you know the best financial package possible. Like that's generally people and players don't work that way, right? Uh, you know, I know there was maybe a bit of animosity with like Chris Bryant and the Cubs because that was you know that went to uh, uh, whatever you call it the the tribunal or whatever. Yeah, that, that they, started they, in they, a bad place. <laughs> there, yeah, there's a real case there. I don't know. People do get worried about it. It's like, oh, what if he doesn't like being here? What? It's like, well, they, yeah, it's, it's really just, if he's it's really he's, easy to fix it. Yeah, you just pay him. You like you're, you know, unless you're expecting a hometown hometown discount, which you never should. No, like yeah, no, get that, your that's, money. That's I got no beef with that. But if if a year from now he's still feeling a little contentious with management, and there is now a segment of the fan base that's openly booing him at home games, you know. Th- relationships turn fast sometimes that's all I, and we're not there yet yeah, but, but yeah uh, i mean i think he'll be better next year so uh or this year whatever whatever yeah, the year it yeah, is fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know that'd be uh, I, I don't know yeah I, I i know what you're saying yeah but also but no uh, i have a hard time getting worried about like he's gonna be like get me out of here and even if he is you're gonna get something good back it's like it's not and it's and maybe that's you know maybe that that speaks to what we were saying before about the character personality of the you know that that's perceived but like yeah I don't know Vlad Vlad you don't you wouldn't you wouldn't think about worrying about that necessarily right. yeah no so, I mean no I do think there were some you know there's questions in the mailbag about like well they traded his friends like, yeah well he's going to be mad about that you think you have to obviously teams do work to like keep players happy especially once they're like cornerstone guys like that but you know. I, I, they understand that there's a business aspect to it as well. And I think that, you know, sometimes fans don't. And I think these players, despite their youth, uh, <laughs> are very, especially ones like Vlad and Bo who have been, you know, around the game all their lives, know about uh, the business side of the game and how that dictates things. Well, and you made a, an excellent point, and I've seen you make it a couple of times, but uh, in your most recent piece there, that these are two guys who had major league fathers, which means their families are not hard up for money. They have no reason to rush into any sort of extension or whatever. If they want to grind it out and and really go all the way through this, they can afford to do that, which some just isn't the case for some guys, right? Some guys are anxious to get Absolutely. paid and get locked up. So, uh, as yeah, we- no, I don't know. We've seen that. Yeah, that's you know, nobody want, don't want to talk about people's you know their family wealth or whatever. Sure. But like, yeah, that's absolutely. Factor, some yeah. of those brave, some of those brave guys, you know, uh, absolutely. It's like. Whoa, you're putting you're putting how many million dollars on the table? Yeah. Like hard to turn that down. And for Bo and Vlad, it obviously, you know, they they you know, obviously part of it is believing in themselves, but yeah, it's that that gives them an extra layer of being able to bet on themselves. It's, for uh, sure, for sure. It's a funny thing how money works like that. It is. Uh as we said there off the top, we're about uh, just a few weeks now away from spring training starting. What will be uh, something you're keeping an eye on throughout spring training that, that needs to resolve itself or that you will find interesting, kind of a storyline as we kind of, you know, there's a lot of spring training baseball that uh, maybe a few more games than there doesn't uh, than there needs to be. But, you know, between now and opening day, what will you be looking for on the field to sort itself out? Uh, I mean, I haven't really thought about this, but then I know exactly what the answer is, and it's we're going to be hanging every single Kikuchi pitch. Like, right. is this guy worth, <laughs> worth the roster spot? Like, that's going to be it. And maybe with Mitch White, too, uh, to a lesser extent. Though, you know, he's out of options. So, 
you know, that trade can, you know, Nick Frassel was a pretty interesting prospect that they gave up in that deal, though they did get a, a, a guy back whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I could just see how, you know, cause that is going to determine a lot about you know, the composition of the roster. They're paying him the a lot, right? They want him to be that fifth guy if he can, like they're going to yeah, give him every I, chance I mean, to have that. I can't imagine there being a Kikuchi start in the spring where Blue Jays, where, you know, as many Blue Jays fans as ever pay attention to spring will be like, is he throwing strikes? Like, right. what does this look like? You know, is this a viable option for the fifth starter? I think that's, that's sort of the big story. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, whether, I mean, otherwise that it's like veteran health, probably, you know, it's like, good one. I mean, there are, there are going to be a couple other things that are going to be really interesting you know, guys who can pitch their way onto the, on the roster. I mentioned Zulawet as a guy. Team is probably going to be a big, big league camp. You know, people will be really interested in that. Is Zulueta uh, that close? You think? I mean, he was in Buffalo. I think he was going to be. If had he not got hurt at the end of the year, he was definitely an option for yeah. uh, uh, for a call up for the playoffs. Like I think that uh, you know, uh, it's interesting because they want to keep him as a starter. They keep right. saying they want to get, think that they have that ability. Though I think a lot of the industry will look at him and say, "Well, it's a reliever eventually." Like so, mm-hmm. there's, there's going to become there's going to come a point where that decision has to be made. I think. Uh, which may not be this year, but like there, there are a couple of those interesting guys who can pitch their way onto the team and make things uncomfortable for some guys who feel who their spots maybe feel uh, a little more solid. I mean, even Kevin Vigio has some competition in terms of like uh, you know the Bargers of the world, and you know, Horvitz is more of a, a corner guy, or not necessarily this, as much of a utility guy. But there, there's there's uh, there's options uh, from AAA. I think that are. are uh, that are closer than have been in previous years, uh, especially recently. Like there's, they've they've done a good job of of you know so, starting to let that sort of fill back up in terms mm-hmm. of there being some potential big league quality. Not like you know, there's not stars. I don't think you know we'll we'll see, um, but there are at least guys who can be more options. There, there are going to be like smaller spring storylines. I would definitely want to see if Brandon Belt's knee looks fine. Uh, what Kevin Kiermaier's hip, like, I mean, if he's like looking like the same guy, I mean, I'll, uh, th- th- it would obviously be stupid to like make any conclusions uh, based on anything that happens in spring with those guys in terms of health. Springer, obviously, as well. Uh, Springer, yeah, we often don't see ease their way into right? it. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is uh, is smart. Uh, he, only, he only has so many games per year yeah. in him. Like, but so that was the, so the lack of that and the fact that that will be sort of eased into, and that most of the roster is pretty settled does I think mean it's going to be Kikuchi watched every fifth day. Can't wait for that. Uh, <laughs> the last thing for you then we're getting uh, the first World Baseball Classic in like a decade or whatever it's been since we had one of these things, but. Are you a WBC guy? Do you get into this thing at all and, and pay attention to it? Or is it just sort of a... I go I go back and forth with it, to be honest with you. It just it, It's hard for me to get too invested because Canada never gets very far and then I just sort of lose interest in, in the rest of it. But it's more, as, as much as anything else, it's the rules, right? Like, I don't feel like I'm getting... And I'm not, but I don't feel like I'm getting a true World Cup or World Championship because... Maybe the pitcher can only throw 40 pitches today, and it's all mandated to ramp up. I get it. It's spring training, but it does take away from some of that, you know, I would go until my arm fell off for my country kind of thing. And like, well, actually, you're going to go two and a third, and then you're going to go down. So I, it, it's not really a big thing for me. I'm sure I'll follow it a bit, but where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, I, I like the concept, and I, I'm completely with you. That like, it, you know, I, it's hard to not do it during spring training. I definitely have, uh, I don't know if I wrote a piece about it, but I uh, uh, like years ago, but I, 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 the idea of doing a, you know, taking a whole week off for the all-star break and instead of doing that, having like 
you know, having like the final four of the of the WBC teams, like maybe do you know do the, yeah. the first part of the tournament in the spring, and then once guys are all ramped up, and and, and you know, that would be a real showcase to yeah. have something like that in the middle of the season when guys, you know, and when teams are a little more. Uh, willing to let guys, you know, go all out. Cause yeah, it, it does, it does feel like you're, you, you're, you, and yet, and yet, you know, Mark Stroman in the, in the last one was incredible. Mm-hmm. Or was that two, two ones ago? I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> like that, that was a great story. You know, all, all sorts of fun stuff comes out of it. You know, sure. The, it just the, feels like spring training with different shirts, like, right? That's all. <laughs> yeah. A little, a little bit, a little bit. It means, it means more. It means more. Also, I mean, the Dominican team is just so, ridiculously good yes. I, I don't know that it's gonna it's gonna have the same sort of competitive stakes even you know the, all crazy things happen because it is spring training and because baseball is baseball but man like looking at those rosters that that, that, that came out last week or whenever that was uh like, like, like the dominican team is is so stacked yeah uh it's very very funny so uh uh well you know we'll see i mean and that's also going to provide i don't i, I don't think Kikuchi's going to be be there. I don't, I don't think I've heard anything about it, but that that could shift our focus from the Kikuchi True, watch. Yeah, uh, Barrios is I'm sure going to pitch for Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, there's, so there's going to be Jay's storylines there. I think Alejandro Kirk is going to pitch uh, or catch for Mexico, which is which is an interesting choice uh, as a young catcher. Like some sometimes guys, I think that maybe he wouldn't have made that choice that had uh, had Danny Jansen been traded as opposed to Moreno. But right. like, I think that. Uh, uh, you know, it's the younger guys. You know, new. You know, you got to get to work with Chris Bassett. You want like that's a tough aspect of it too. Not just you know taking pitchers or, or, or having pitchers who are uh, who are you know at, at a stage in their in, in their ramp up that they can't really give you what you know what what it's purported to be as like the world you know the World Cup ish tournament of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also taking catchers away from their teams is kind of a weird aspect of it too. Um, but there will be storylines there. Canada's, you know, Freddie Freeman's going to play for Canada. There's some interesting. Russell Martin's going to coach. I mean, when, once you start talking about the coaching staff as being like a big plus, is maybe not. He's not still not pushing what you to be the shortstop, or I don't think so. I don't think so. But uh, but you know, I mean, you know, who who could forget the Canada Mexico brawl and like there, you know, things get <laughs> things get real. You know, I, I do like the World Baseball Classic, but I, I wish that there was a way to raise the stakes and to really showcase the game on a on a an international global level like that you know with guys playing for their country i mean i'm a soccer fan and uh, you know yeah the world cup it, it, it is captivating tv for a month it's sure. uh, it's amazing and you know the nature of baseball won't allow for that obviously uh doing it after the season with guys on non-playoff teams would be an interesting way to do it except i think that uh, mlb probably wouldn't, wouldn't appreciate the competition no. uh for eyeballs with the uh with their own playoffs but uh um but yeah, it'll be, I think it'll be a great. It's thing. had its I, moments, I, right? At the first one yeah. when Canada beat the Americans, I was all in on that. My buddies and I were gathered around watching it, and and it was cool to have you know the one round in Toronto there, whatever that was, oh nine or something like that, and people got oh, into that it. That was and, the best. That was the best game of baseball. The most, the best atmosphere for a baseball game in Toronto between. 1993 and 2015, <laughs> like for sure. And I saw a ton of games during that, but like that game, because the Blue Jays were so, you know, people were so down on them. Like it was Rogers kind of at the in the period of I think they just sort of they they finally had bought the stadium for nothing because they they you know ground the team into into nothing and and you know, JP Ricciardi had a weird like moment of success at the at the start of his tenure that almost threw those plans out the window. But 
uh, you know, the kind of cut payroll from the Ash era and uh, and really tried to, I feel, I didn't feel at the time, I definitely argued against this theory, I think with Jeff Baker, who's with the Stars now in, uh, in Seattle, but uh, I think they did try to devalue the team and devalue the stadium so they could get the stadium for as little as possible and just kind of let the product twist in the wind for a while there. And it really sucked the life out of the fan base in a lot of ways. And, you know, there were still sort of diehard fans, but that game was such a uh, uh, an unbelievable event to to show up and, because I, I naturally showed up a little bit late. And uh, <laughs> just to see the stadium just absolutely packed with people, it's like, oh, my God, there's like there's an appetite for baseball that matters in the city that, you know, just had not been exhibited i mean i guess the holiday uh the holiday aj burnett game is, is yeah. the conversation for that as well but like the, that this like the the canada us game came first and and it was uh it was just nice because it was just a feeling of uh you hadn't had thought for it had it, you knew there were fans out there you knew that that enormous fan base couldn't have gone away but they had really sort of been uh, driven away by Rogers' terrible ownership, yeah, which is this city why still we still create yeah, that atmosphere would, in the stadium, right? And we still hear the echo of this. You know, people are still out. Uh, the, the Jays are over the luxury tax, and you'll still hear people cry, grousing about <laughs> cheap Rogers, which partly is because they look at their damn you know, cable and phone bills <laughs> exactly, every yeah. but, but but that era was was definitely uh, a downer for a lot of people, and. Uh, and yeah, that World Baseball Classic stuff was 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 truly inspiring and really great. Like so, yeah, I have a, that huge soft spot for it, and it can mean something, but it does sort of only mean things in like little pockets like that. It's definitely not. And I would love to see it at the level of you know. Oh yeah, it could never be the World Cup, but like, but but yeah, somewhere, some something could be done, should be done to make it so it's you know, as, as big a showcase with, you know, a real best on best showcase. And I think that could be done in a week in the middle of the season during the all-star break. But, uh, I don't, I don't think Rob Manfred's taking my calls. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Um, we appreciate that, uh, that you take mine and, uh, and come on here, tee it up Absolutely. for us. Uh, what's coming up. Uh, I know it's a bit of a slow time, but what can we look for here as spring training approaches on, uh, the bat flip. And, uh, I really need to know is the podcast coming back. Podcast is definitely coming back. Yeah, you, you I, I kind of hinted at that in my last piece, but yeah, Nick and I uh, still finalizing plans. Which is to say, we're like, yeah, we're gonna podcast again, right? Okay, yeah. We're, <laughs> where are we gonna do that? How are we gonna do that? Who's gonna pay us to do that? Uh, that, that all sort of remains to be seen at the moment, but um, but yeah, that's definitely gonna happen again, uh, which I'm uh, very excited about. Uh, the backflip will probably, you know, I'll probably. You'll see a post of this uh, once it goes up on there because because nice. uh, we're in a bit of a, a bit of a content desert at the moment. And, <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I, I'm in a position in my uh, in my career where I'm not like I don't feel the need to uh, to make pointless busy work. I'm right. not going to do I'm not going to do a big Hall of Fame piece. I think I did <laughs> one last year because of the strike or the lockout, but uh, you know that that continues to not interest me. Right. Um, so we'll see. I'm just waiting on the Robert, Robbie Grossman uh, yeah. news to drop. Like content. <laughs> wow. I'll, I'll think of something. Sure. I'll, you know, season preview kind of stuff for like you know predictions, questions. You know that that, that does kind of fall into the point. It is a dark time category. in the off season when we're waiting on Robbie Grossman news. That's <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But, but like you say, it's not. I mean, pitchers, catchers, mid February. We're within. We're less than a month away. So that's going to be. That's going to be good stuff, and it's going to, you know, they got these guys at the pitching lab, right? There's going to be, sure. going to be interesting stories all over camp, I think. So, uh, definitely interested to see what happens with uh, 
once guys actually get together and the season starts going and we get a real spring training as opposed to the somewhat abbreviated one last year. That's true. It feels like forever ago, but it was just last spring and uh, things will go a little bit more according to plan this year, I guess. But uh, no doubt once they are up and running, I'll come, uh, I'll come knocking again. Always appreciate your time, man. Yeah, I'd love to do it anytime, man. Okay, thank you to uh, to Andrew Stoughton. You can check his work out. We'll put all the links here in the show notes, as we always do, but uh, at thebatflip.ca, the Blue Jays Happy Hour podcast. Highly recommend you check those out and support his work. The guy knows what's up around the Toronto Blue Jays, for sure, and uh, is absolutely worth following. Uh, that's where we'll end this one. Don't forget, stick around Thursday morning. Vanessa Sanchez will be here. Until then, my name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tall Can Audio. We'll see you next time. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.